0: With all not your truth, or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth, or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hoekstra, your host. Have you ever felt like life is just too busy? Or you can't seem to make it to the end of your to-do list? Or maybe you're even too busy to listen to this podcast? On today's episode, we are going to talk about this crazy, hectic lifestyle we lead and how to take notice of God amongst the chaos. We will talk about reasons, seasons, and being present, and how to choose mercy when we fail. So if you are someone who struggles or remaining peaceful during the frenzy of your day, when you find yourself overcommitting, you are going to want to join us as we explore different ways to prioritize prepare and be engaged yikes it's august i hate to say it but summer is nearly over it seems this time of year leaves us with that underlying feeling of panic as our fall schedules set in we start to look at what we have on our plate and we vow that this year is the year we are not going to over our schedules ourselves. This is the year we are going to reach our goals with a smile on our face. This is the year we won't be so busy that we don't make time for God or for others. Yet somehow, we still end up getting caught in the trap. I recall one crazy semester in college. I took nineteen credits, played in two outside orchestra, and worked twenty-eight hours a week. Each week, day, hour, and minute were scheduled. At first, it seemed like I could handle it. it. Made me feel pretty good. But as the semester went on, not only leaving myself, not leaving myself with any margin proved to be a big fail. I got behind in my schoolwork I didn't do my best work on the job, and I didn't reach my goals. Essentially, I set myself up for failure, and no one wants to live with that feeling of not measuring up. I didn't have time for social life or friendships, so I got irritable. And then years later, even though I thought I learned this lesson, after I had young children, That kind of schedule creeped up on me once again. I still can't understand why I didn't give myself margin, or why couldn't I manage to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit even when I was so busy? Well, we all know 24 hours is 24 hours. The amount of time we have hasn't changed, yet technology seems to initiate a faster speed of life. The communication tools we have have left us with expectations that we should get things done quicker. Think about it. Nowadays, when someone asks you, how you doing? Our typical response is busy. Is busy the new badge of honor? I admit it. I've gotten caught up in the illusion of productivity, of achievement. On some level, being busy fed me there was something about having a full schedule that made me feel important. Unfortunately, it also led to strange, strained relationships. I grew impatient, irritable, and prideful. This led to frequently apologizing, getting defensive, feeling guilty and taking things personally. But still, I didn't look at these as indicators that I was just too busy. What about you? Do you find yourself too busy to answer emails, RSVP, call people back? Do you justify that that it's okay because you're too busy? Or perhaps do you give others the impression that you aren't bored with something because it's important to them when you really can't commit to it? Certainly, Our culture is changing the way we relate to each other and determining what is an acceptable lifestyle, including being busy. Marketing slogans like, just do it, enjoy the moment, take time for yourself, ruminate. Maybe they are designed to motivate, but sometimes they actually create anxiousness in us. And since anxiousness and peace cannot coincide, something has to give. Romans 12:2 states, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." So how do we find this time to renew our minds? Could looking at our priorities and preparing ourselves give us the peace to enjoy the moments? When discussing priorities, we often look at what to get rid of in our life. You know, what to say no to. Ben Snyder, lead pastor of Cedar Creek Church in Toledo, posted recently on his Instagram, quote, if you don't take the time to ask what matters, you will fill your life with things that don't, unquote. Scripture also tells us in Matthew 5:37 to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Whatever is more than these is of the evil one. There are certainly things we need to say no to, but what do we say yes to? Understanding the reasons behind our choices is so helpful. Our God is the critic in thoughts of the intents of our hearts. He notices you. He notices your motives. He is the only one who truly notices the reason behind your yes. So next time you decide to put something on your schedule, ask yourself, what purpose does it have? Will it help build the kingdom? Is it in line with God's mission during this season of my life? Will I be able to manifest the fruits of the spirits when I participate in this activity? What reasons do I have to say yes? Good and bad consequences evolve from our reasons. So whenever I say yes to one thing and I don't end up following through, what I'm really saying is yes to something else. For example, let's say I say yes to the concept of biblical community. I'm on board. But if I don't commit to attending a small group regularly, aren't I saying yes to whatever else is keeping me from that small group? If attending small group really is a priority, wouldn't I say no to things that kept me from attending? Essentially, whatever I say yes to instead becomes the priority. I know it's challenging. How often do we say yes to an idea so we don't hurt someone's feelings without considering the commitment entails? Another challenge we face as believers is that God commands us to help others. Certainly, we have compassion, and when we see others in trouble, many of us feel a strong obligation to help. Obviously, compassion is biblical, and of course, I'm not saying we should neglect our loved ones. However, have we considered all the commitments that come with saying yes? Do we even know why we say yes? Sometimes we say yes for right reasons, and sometimes for the wrong ones. Do we say yes because we'll feel guilty if we don't? Do we say yes because we want to be the cure? Could we be saying yes to those good feelings of affirmation when we help others? Do we say yes to prove we're noble or to save our reputation? We may even say yes so others will notice us. There have been times in my life I have been guilty for saying yes to the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons, I perceived that it was the right thing to do, or because I wanted others to perceive the best in me, or sometimes it was just because no one else seemed to step up. Maybe even the greed that comes from accomplishment justified my self-righteousness. And then there were times I took on the responsibilities that were met for others not allowing others to take responsibilities for themselves, i quickly realized it didn't allow the space for them to understand their need for god i quickly learned god didn't intend for the responsibilities of the world to rest on our shoulders or to be the savior that job has already been filled by someone else much more capable than me by trying to be other saviors the focus turned to me instead of the savior so both enabling and saying yes for the wrongs e- reasons, the emphasis becomes about us. And we then we tend to pay more attention to the person instead of how God may be working in their life. In addition to reasons, there are also seasons. What season of life are you in? Are you a young mother, an empty nester, someone with a special needs child? Choosing your aspect, can be different during different seasons. For example, when my children were young, it wasn't the season to say yes to ministry opportunities or outside work commitments. When mom was sick and it looked like she needed care, I said yes to taking care of her, but I also knew I wasn't going to be able to do everything else I usually did. Leaning on God for our advice during these times helps us to discern our yes. Proverbs nineteen twenty one states, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. In addition to identifying our priorities for the right reasons during different seasons, we also need to be prepared. And preparation requires doing the math. Two common patterns I've noticed about preparing for activities that I say yes to include, one, anticipating how long something will take and two, allowing for prep time. For example, if you predict something will take three hours, give yourself four so you have margins. This allows for unexpected happenings and transition time. We really do need to migrate from one activity to the other. The other pattern is prep time. For example, if you put two hours on your schedule for the recital, Did you also put in the time it will take to pick up the cookies for the reception? That's prep time. Too often, we end up feeling guilty because we're late or apologetic because we aren't prepared for the activity. This lack of preparation feeds our insecurities, leading us to need more and more validation or affirmation. And of course, worry and anxiousness sets in. Another strategy that may help is to divide your days into three segments – morning, afternoon, and evening. When scheduling, schedule two of those three segments, leaving the third segment for floating. Although you can still accomplish a task during this floating time, try to make sure it's not crucial for it to be completed that day. On the Sabbath, schedule just one segment a day. Okay. I know this is a podcast, but I can still feel your eyes rolling. Really? I'm not peaceful because I'm busy because I didn't prepare? Aren't there times when I don't have a choice but to be scheduled in all three segments? Of course. Realistically, that's going to happen. But the key here is to regroup so you have margin so you have processing time to renew your mind. Regroup by going back to one scheduled segment a day for a day, and then return to two out of three. Trust me, if you go three days in a row with all three segments scheduled, you'll start to feel out of control. Again, that only breeds worry and anxiousness. Scripture reminds us in 2 Timothy 2:20 through 21 that don't just eliminate things, choose good things, choose gold and silver. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. So now that we have said yes for the right reasons in this particular season of life, and we're prepared, will that automatically help us to live in the present? What does being present even look like? Does it mean being engaged in what I'm doing when I'm actually doing it? Perhaps a good way to measure lack of engagement is to watch how you react when you have to wait. When was the last time you were stuck in traffic? Did you become irritable, accusatory, anxious? Were the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, grace, gentleness, and self-control exhibited? Being present means that you trust that God's timing is quite different from ours. Psalm 94 states, For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Second Peter 3.8 says, With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Choosing peace means trusting that God has things under control, even if it feels like we don't. How can we choose peace? We all know the story of Martha and Mary. We notice Martha is busy and Mary peacefully engaged. Jesus appeared more disturbed with Martha's attitude than with what she was doing. She became worried, upset, and resentful. Martha was busy doing instead of being. Certainly, things needed to get done But choosing peace during those times could have truly enriched her life. Anxiousness is quickly becoming a prevailing problem in our culture. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, quote, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and older, or 18.1% of the population every year. Anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. Unquote. You'll know when your anxiousness becomes out of control. At those times, seeking professional health may become necessary. But there are also other ways we can choose peace. I know for me, I'm especially peaceful when sitting by water and listening to waves crash. If I haven't done that in a while, it starts to show. For others, worship invites peace, or being out in nature, or reading. Whatever is peaceful to you, pursue it. Romans 4 9 tells us, therefore, let us pursue the things which you make for peace. And the things by which one may edify another. Philippians 4 8 encourages us. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Yes. God wants you to enjoy your family, your work, your ministry activities, and even your hobbies. But most importantly, he wants to make sure that you take notice of him. So by saying yes for the right reasons, by doing the math, and being engaged, you can choose peace. And inevitably, you're going to find your schedule changing, or perhaps even your attitude about your schedule. So as you plan ahead for the next season of life, take a breath and remember that God's mercy will cover all. Be willing to give yourself mercy when you didn't do the math or you said yes to something you shouldn't. As you do that, you will extend mercy to others who do the same. Mercy breeds peace. Peace amongst your busyness. To God be the glory. Be sure to join us next time when I visit with Ingrid Winsett, a ministry leader with Grief Share, as we talk about the ways God notices us during grief. Be sure to tune in and listen. Also, since we're up and running regularly, be sure to visit iTunes and post a review. As always, I appreciate your support. Until next time,